Credit scores are important to financial health. Do you know yours and how it's calculated? A poor credit score can make it hard to get a loan, a credit card, or even a job. We can help answer questions and possibly save you money. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to schedule a free financial checkup today at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame FCU. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Thanks for your support. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop, and you've we've, we've done graduations and ordinations, and you've shared homilies from all of those. But you were also, you did a mass for the folks that are going to World Youth Day. How many are going to that? We have 270 from our diocese. Wow. Yeah, wow, it's great. That's great. Yeah. And then you were down in Indy for the Called 23 conference. Yes, that's the annual conference of the Catholic Campus Ministry Association. So how did you get pulled into that? Well, they always invite the bishops of the state where they have the, the annual conference. Oh, okay. So they asked me to—I uh, was available to do the opening mass. Uh-huh. So on June 6th, I celebrated that opening mass. It was really good because I, I didn't know who was going to be there, but actually I, I, I noticed—I I knew a number of them. Sure which yep. was really interesting from different parts of my life. You're pretty well connected. Yeah. And I think, well, <laughs> there were three young priests come up to me and I didn't know them. I didn't recognize them here. They were from my former diocese, but they okay. went to the seminary after I left shows I'm getting older, uh-huh. but they said to me, Bishop, so good. Bishop, you confirmed me. Nice. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm feeling older. Now the guys I confirmed that are, are already priests and they're working in campus yeah. ministry in the diocese of Harrisburg. Plus there were, campus ministers from a good number from Notre Dame and the chaplain. There might've been some others that I didn't see, but also they had booths, you know, like they have vendors. There mm-hmm. are people who are advertising. Sure. So I, our Sunday visitor was there. Right. Hallow was there. Right. Exodus was there. And I know all of them. And I'm like, <laughs> I the, think you're the on diocese, all of their boards. Aren't you? I am. <laughs> and our, our diocese, given our size, like three of these major, organizations, apostolates yeah. are from our diocese. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty remarkable when you think there's like 190 dioceses in the United States and we have these major apostolates that began here, Yep, Exodus and Hallow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hallow was the, the students from Notre Dame who I got to know real well. And, oh, and then of course our Sunday visitor, yeah. local, you know, headquartered here, the biggest Catholic English publisher in the world. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking over the world, <laughs> the Catholic world. That's right. Now, there is a lot of great things going in. I mean, you just mentioned a couple of them, but it's exciting. It's great. You know, it was interesting. Well, I had other masses every day, of course, but it was interesting that week in June, the first reading was from the book of Tobit. Mm-hmm. And I have this tendency when when I prepare homilies and I reflect on the, like on daily masses, it's just two readings, the first reading, the psalm, and then the gospel. Like if there's something challenging, if there's a reading that's kind of like needs explanation, I'll like gear to preaching on that. I don't know why it is. Like uh-huh. if there's one reading is more difficult than the other, I'll probably preach on the more difficult one, I guess, because I feel like a, you know, like a teacher. So anyhow, the book of Tobit doesn't appear very often in the lectionary at all. But every other year, it's the first reading for a whole week. So parts of it. 
Now, the one passage that you do hear from Tobit quite a bit is at wedding masses. It's one of the options for for wedding masses. It's the prayer that um, Tobias and Sarah say at their wedding night. But other than that, you know, a lot of people don't know much about it. As a matter of fact, it's one of the deuterocanonical books of the Bible. Which means what? Oh, well, the word, the Greek meaning deutero means second. So they belong to the second canon is what it would literally mean. So we have the canon of scripture that lists the inspired books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. They were discerned by the Jews and then by Christians. What are the books that are truly inspired by God? That could be a whole, I think we did talk a bit about this in one of our shows. Yeah. But Deuterocanonical is kind of like a second list. So these are the ones that were not in the Hebrew canon because that was established well before the first century. But the early Christians, when they were reading from the Hebrew Bible, they read from the Greek translation, okay, the Septuagint. So the Greek translation of the Old Testament is the Septuagint. That included these seven extra books, the deuterocanonical books. But the Hebrew did not. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But since the early Christians regarded them as sacred scripture, as inspired, they regarded them as canonical. So they are in our Bible. Uh-huh. Now, all this was not defined until a council in Rome in the year 382 AD. And it included these seven deuterocanonical books. And one of them was the book of Tobit. Now, when the when Martin Luther came along in the 16th century, he did not accept these as the deuterocanonical. He didn't ex- accept these seven. So they re- were removed from the Protestant Bible. Uh-huh. Actually, there were some books in the New Testament that Luther didn't like and wanted them to be removed as well. Right. But they didn't. Uh-huh. But Luther wanted the letter of the Hebrews taken out. He wanted the book of Revelation taken out, the letter of James he didn't like, yeah. and the letter of Jude he didn't like. But he wasn't successful okay. in having them removed. Uh-huh. But he was successful in having the deuterocanonical books removed. So many Protestants you know, aren't familiar at all with these unless they use a Catholic Bible. Mm -hmm. So what are the seven books? As I mentioned, Tobit, also Judith, Baruch, Sirach, first and second Maccabees, and the book of wisdom. Okay. But there are also some parts of the books of Esther and Daniel that are in the Catholic Bible, but were taken out by the Protestants. Like, you know, that in the book of Daniel, that wonderful prayer of Azariah, the song of the three holy children in the fiery furnace, that's in the story of Susanna in the book of Daniel. They are not in the Protestant Bibles, I don't think. Uh-huh. They're considered deuterocanonical. The Eastern Orthodox, by the way, Orthodox do accept the deuterocanonical books and the Oriental Orthodox churches. Okay. I'd say to people, you know, it's not like the book of Tobit is, is a story and it's kind of captivating. I mean, it's, 
It's enjoyable to read. Some people get, if you sit down and just, you could take 45 minutes and read the book. But I would have a Catholic commentary because some of it you need a little explanation. But have a commentary when you read it. But the stories are kind of, may it strike us with our modern ears as quite weird. Okay. But I kind of enjoy them because the message is so good. And to kind of, I mean, Jesus told stories. I mean, he told parables. Sure. I mean, the prodigal son wasn't a literal historical event. Mm -hmm. So most scholars say the book of Tobit was really a story. Uh, now there's some who might think it was historical or maybe had some kind of a historical basis. The important thing is it is inspired and mm -hmm. it has a moral and spiritual message. Um, and it begins, do you want me to kind of summarize the book of Tobit or would sure. that be interesting, yeah. do you yeah. think, to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, it starts, well, who was Tobit? By the way, the name Tobit means goodness, which huh. is very appropriate. He was a good man. He was a pious Jew. He was, he would do acts of charity. He was living at the time when... If you remember when we, way back in one of the episodes, we talked about when the Assyrians attacked the Northern Kingdom and the people were deported and, and into Assyria. Well, what the city of Nineveh is where Tobit ended up because that was part of the Assyrian Empire. Mm -hmm. So the city of Nineveh, which as you know, from the gospels had, you know, the story of Jonah and all that, it was an evil city, you know, remember? Mm -hmm. So and would be destroyed. So anyhow, that's where Tobit and his family lived. Tobit remained faithful to his Jewish faith, and so did his family, but most of the Jews who were, they just assimilated and they worshiped the false gods. And But Tobit was a man of God. I mean, he followed God's law. And his wife's name was Anna. So his religious piety was very strong. And he was made fun of because of it. He would be ridiculed. What I think about these stories, by the way, is how they can be applied today. It's really mm. interesting when you're in a kind of a hostile environment. So he still walked in God's ways and righteousness. And but he was known for his acts of charity to other Israelites like himself. And one of the things he used to do is bury the dead. Israelites who, especially, you know, those who were being killed, so that's one of the corporal works of mercy, but that mm -hmm. was a little risky. As a matter of fact, I think the king heard about it and wanted to kind of get rid of Tobit. Anyhow, as the story goes on, he there was a one of the Israelites who was strangled to death, and and Tobit went buried him. Now, for in in Jewish law, if you came in contact with a corpse, you were considered unclean. Right. So he didn't go into the house and bring that impurity into his home. So after he buried this this man who was murdered, he slept outside. And here's where the story kind of gets weird, but kind of humorous in some ways. But So he's sleeping outside, and a bird flies over, and basically the droppings from the bird fell onto his eyes, and he became blind. Yeah. You're, do you remember this? is where this? this comes from. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's struck with blindness. So awful, you know, here he's doing good. Here he's burying the dead. He's, he's, he's just such a good man. Like you kind of, it was like Job. Like why does, you know, why does bad things happen to good people? Yeah. So he's afflicted with this. So obviously he can't work then. 
whatever work he was doing. And his wife went to work, his wife, Anna, and she got paid for weaving cloth. So that was a way to make ends meet. And the one who owned the cloth that she worked for was real happy with what she did. So he gave her kind of like a bonus, a goat to take home. So she takes this goat and when the goat started bleeding, bleating, Tobit got upset and he told her to give it back to its owners. He said the goat may have been stolen. And Anna, well, she was kind of upset with him. I mean, she was happy. She got this bonus. She thought he'd be happy. Uh And so she got upset at her husband's reaction. So she reacted angrily with very hurtful words and said to him, where are your charitable deeds now? Where are your virtuous acts? See, your true character is finally showing itself. Uh So he was such a good man. So she's kind of mocking him. And this really hurt him. I mean, the words that his wife said to him. So he was already, I mean, it was a marital argument, basically, a marital spat. So Mm -hmm. again, this is kind of, I mean, they were a husband and wife who really loved each other. But sometimes even husbands and wives that love each other can hurt each other. What? They get, <laughs> yeah, see? Really? Yeah. No. Did I, maybe not in your marriage, Kyle. <laughs> but, um, I wish. Yeah, but I mean, they are relevant. These stories are relevant yeah, for, for, for us sure. today. So they, they inadvertently hurt each other. I mean, what he did, what he said obviously hurt her. Yeah. You know, when he complained about this goat, he said it's probably stolen. You know, here she's the one working. He's not. He can't. He should be grateful. Then she gets upset and tells him, oh, yeah, big, good charitable man. Where are your charitable leaves now? Look how you, you know. So anyhow, if you can continue reading, and you know, he has this misfortune. And that, as I said, this hurt him so much. He was really grieved by this. He was in anguish because not only he was ridiculed for his good deeds to begin with, then he gets struck blind. And then his wife says this to him. So he was really distressed and he prayed. And you can read in chapter three, this beautiful prayer of where he's asking God to look upon him with favor, not to punish him for his sins or the sins of his people. Because, you know, as I said, many of them had just become pagans. And he said, for my sins and the sins of my fathers, you know, basically he was not blaming God at all. He was just saying, you know, we kind of deserve this, but he was praying for death. He said, Lord, just please, it's better for me that I die. You know, his sorrow was so great. So he was kind of on a path to despair, but I wouldn't call it despair because, you know, someone who's in despair really doesn't pray anymore, you know. Mm. He had this little bit of hope, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then that same day in another part of of the diaspora, you know, where the Israelites were dispersed after the Assyrians attacked, in another city, they, it just starts talking about this and their relatives of Tobit and this young woman named Sarah. And so in the middle of chapter three of Tobit, it switches to her because that same day she was being mocked and reproached by her father's maids because she had had seven husbands and 
each of those husbands died, were killed on the night of the wedding before the marriage was consummated. Do you remember this? Uh-uh. Yeah. So wow. there was an evil demon okay. named Asmodeus, Asmodeus, who, who slayed each of these seven husbands uh, before they had had relations with their wives. So the maids are, you know, mocking her. You strangle your husbands, basically. Mm -hmm. You had seven and, you know, and so this really hurt Sarah. And she thought of committing suicide, of hanging herself. And, but then she didn't because she thought about how this would be so hurtful to her father and a disgrace to him. So she decided not to kill herself, but then like Tobit in her distress, she prayed. Keep going on and it says that God, that the prayer of both of them, Tobit and Sarah, was heard in the presence of the glory of the great God. So what did God do? He sent the archangel Raphael to heal both of them. Tobit and this distant relative, Sarah. And Tobit had, you know, he doesn't know what's going on with Sarah or anything, okay? Because they're- These are two separate stories. These are two point. separate stories yeah. kind of coming together. Yeah. Tobit had left money in Media, which is where Sarah lived, with some relative. And he wanted to, because of- the difficult straits they were in, he's blind and that kind of needed it. So he decided that he'd send his son, Tobias. Interesting, Tobias sounds like Tobit. Mm -hmm. As I said, Tobit means goodness. Well, basically Tobias means God's goodness, the goodness wow. of God. So he thought, okay, I'll send my son Tobias to my relative in Media to get the money. And he's thinking this would be a way to help especially his wife. And so he's, he's addressing his son and he gives a, a really interesting in this part of the book, chapter four, a, like a, a speech or a, like before he sends him off, gives him advice on how to live the rest of his life. It's beautiful. It's quite lengthy. I won't read it, but basically about how he should be generous to the poor and all the different things he should also always honor God and be faithful to his people and all that. So that's a beautiful thing for fathers to read or yeah. sons to read, basically to be faithful to the commands of the Lord, be faithful to God's law. So again, Tobit had left these 10 talents of silver, quite a bit of money with this man named Gabael. He's some kind of a relative. And so Tobit's sending him off because they needed the money. And of course, Tobias, his son, was a very good guy too and respected his father greatly. So he said, yes, I will do it. I will, I will go. And, but Tobit then said to him, get a man to go with you. I don't want you just going alone and I'll pay him to go with you. So he was supposed to find someone. Well, he found Raphael. Tobias found who was an angel. Of course, Tobias didn't know it was an angel. And Tobias asked him if he would go along, and, and Raphael said yes. By the way, he was going by a different name than Raphael. It, the name was Azarias, 
which interestingly means God helps. Uh-huh. And Tobit said, okay, you found somebody, bring him in. I want to find out. I want to talk to him before you go. I want to know what tribe he belongs to and all this. And it was interesting when Tobit asked him that, what family you belong to, what tribe you belong to. Well, he's an angel for heaven's sake. <laughs> so he said, well, uh, Raphael said, are you looking for a tribe and a family or for a man who you're going to pay to go with your son? And so he said, I want to know what your people in your name is. And so he, he said, I'm Azarias, the son of the great Ananias, one of your relatives. And then Tobit said, you're welcome, my brother. It's really a play on words. It wasn't that he was actually lying because the angel is, you know, he is the one God helps. Azarias, God helps. Uh-huh. Ananias means God is merciful. So there was really a play on words there. It, just these little interesting tidbits. Yeah. This is why you need that commentary that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't know that unless you had a commentary. Anyhow, that made it fine. And so they're, they get ready for the journey. Tobit wishes them ba- the best, prayed that God would be with them and bless them. And, and Tobit prayed that an angel would attend to him. So he's kind of like an angel will watch over you, like a guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Of course, he didn't know that (laughs) Raphael was an actual angel. And then, of course, Anna, Tobit's wife, is crying and, you know, thinking that, you know, he's going away. You know, what if he never comes back? What if he gets hurt and all that? Tobit has to reassure her God will watch over him and all that. So anyhow, Raphael and Tobias start out. And on their way, in the evening, they stopped at the Tigris River and, and made a little encampment to sleep. This is where the story is really gets interesting too. So Tobias went down to the river to get washed and a fish leaped out of the river and would have swallowed him. Book of Tobit says, and the angel said, so it must've been a big fish. Uh-huh. The angel said to Tobias, catch the fish. So Tobias did, and he threw it up on the dry land. And Raphael told him to cut the fish open and to take the heart, the liver, and gall, I guess the gallbladder. Hmm. So Tobias did, and they roasted and ate the fish, but he kept the heart, the liver, and the gall Mm -hmm. that Raphael wanted him to put in some kind of container Uh and carry with them. Of course, Tobias is curious, like, what's the use of the liver, the heart, and the gall? And... Raphael told him that the heart and the liver, if a demon or an evil spirit gives trouble to anyone, you can make smoke, like incense, uh, charcoal, and put the heart and the liver there and burn it, and the person, the evil spirit would, you know, leave. Okay. So, and then if someone had uh, white films in their eyes, they could be cured by this, by the gall, the gallbladder. So anyhow, keep this in mind. Uh, so I guess see where, see where, where it's going. going. Exactly. So they arrive in this, this city of Media and they go to this one relative of Tobit and it happens to be the father of the one we heard about earlier, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Sarah is the one who had the seven husbands that were killed by this demon Mm -hmm. on their wedding nights. 
And Raphael, before they get there, says to Tobias that he was going to suggest that Sarah be given to him in marriage, that he's really entitled to her and to her inheritance because she's the only eligible relative left. Because The idea was to keep the money in the family so you married your relatives. Now, it's not like a brother or sister. It's a more distant relative. Anyhow, evidently, Sarah was very beautiful. And so the plan, Raphael says, is that he'd speak to Ragel, the father of Sarah, about this and have the marriage. They would have the marriage. And he says, Ragel is going to go along with this because he really shouldn't give her to another man. According to the law of Moses, she, you know, you don't want to marry outside your tribe and mm-hmm. all that. It's the tribe of Naphtali, by the way, one of the 12 tribes. Okay. Anyhow, the Tobias said, well, I heard about she had seven husbands and yeah. they each died on the wedding. Don't night. Be the eight. Yeah. Right. And he said, I'm afraid. Like he said, what's going to happen if the demon, you know, a demon's in love with her. So what's going to happen to me? He's going to, he'll harm me. He said, I'm really not afraid for myself, but this will devastate my mom and dad. This will devastate Anna and Tobit, and they'll die of grief. And then Raphael told them, oh, remember, your father said that you should take a wife from among your own people, and she's, she's the one. And don't worry about the demon, because... When you go into the bridal chamber, he said, I want you to incense the um, charcoal and, and put the heart and the liver of the fish on it. Mm-hmm. And that'll make smoke and the, deep, the demon will smell it and flee away and won't ever come back again. And then after that happens, then you and Sarah pray to God for his mercy and he will save you because she's destined to be your wife. Hmm. Well, Tobias believed and actually fell in love with Sarah when they met at the house. Oh, by the way, Raquel was didn't know who they were at first. He said, but doesn't he look like my cousin Tobit? And then that's when he said to his wife, Edna, Edna was his wife, and he, so he said, where are you from? And they said, well, we're the tribe. We're the sons of Naphtali. Uh, we are captives in Nineveh. So then, of course, Ragel said, well, do you know my cousin Tobit? He said, yeah, it's my father. <laughs> so that's when Ragel was just like, started, you know, embraced him, kissed him, started crying, blessed him. He said, yeah, you're the son of such a good and noble man. And Tobias went on to tell him about how Tobit had gone blind. And and then, of course, that really upset Ragel and his wife Edna and Sarah. They were all crying because when they heard this about Tobit. So, but they warmly received him. They had a ram killed and they had this feast. And, and at that point, Tobias said to Raphael, Brother Azarias, speak to them about what you were talking to me about, which is basically the proposal, the marriage. Uh-huh. And of course... As the angel said, Ragel agreed. He said, eat, drink, and be merry. Mm. He said, it's your right to take my my child, my daughter. Uh, but I want you to know, the last seven, it didn't work out so well. <laughs> so, of course, Tobias already knew that. So anyhow, he gave Sarah to be his wife. 
and told Sarah and basically performed the wedding right then and there. And they had a scroll, they like a contract and they set their seals on it and it was done. Then they had a feast and, you know, Regal told his wife to get the room ready, the banquet, cha- the wedding chamber. And the girl, Sarah started crying. You know, obviously she knows what happened the last seven times. So they escorted after the meal, they escorted Tobias into the room with Sarah, left them there. And, and Tobias took the live ashes of the incense and put the heart in the liver of the fish and made the smoke and the deacon smelled it and says in the book that the odor, he fled to the remotest parts of Egypt mm. and there the angel bound him. Then just as Raphael had told them, they, Sarah and Tobias began to pray. Beautiful prayer. It's, it's one that's used at weddings. A lot of times couples will use this prayer of Tobias for their wedding masses. Now, in the meantime, Ragel is out there digging a grave, thinking that Tobias is going to die also. Literally. Just in case. Just no. in case. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then he tells his wife, Edna, just go up, send one of the maids up to see if he's alive, still alive or not. Because if he's not alive, let's, we'll bury him and not let anyone know about it, you know? So the maid went up and found that they were both asleep. And Ragel, Sarah's father, just did this prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you know? And then he had the grave filled in and all that. So um, then he had this big 14-day wedding feast. Uh-huh. And now remember, Tobit and Sarah are waiting they're like wonder because and and Tob, Tobias knew that so he didn't he wanted to leave, but really Ragel said you shouldn't leave until the fourteen days of the feast are over, and then he could take half of his property and return safely to his father, etc. Then he'd have half the inheritance with him. So anyhow, Tobias did stay there for the fourteen days. Raphael went at Tobias's request to the to the relative who had the money that he was going there first of all to get and so Raphael went and got the money from the relative that was owed to to Tobit you know and then he came back now Tobit and Anna are waiting and of course Anna is in such distress you can imagine she's crying and see what happened you know we let our son go and He's probably dead and uh-huh. and all this. Anyhow, so then Tobias went back. Tobias then, with Sarah, took half the property and went with Sarah, got the blessing of her father and mother. And, you know, it was very tearful departure, et cetera. Tobias and Sarah return on their way to Nineveh. And by the way, Raphael is still with them. Raphael tells him to take the gall of the fish with him. So they went ahead of Sarah. Anna's looking down the road, and she sees her son coming. She can't believe it. She sees he's with the guy who was supposed to accompany him, the angel Raphael, who she didn't know was an angel. And Raphael said to him, when you see your father anoint his eyes with the gall and they'll be a little irritated and he'll rub them but then the films on the eyes will fall 
like, like cataracts, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he'll be able to see again. And that's what happened. Yeah. And Tobit did this beautiful prayer of Thanksgiving. And then Sarah comes, he meets his daughter-in-law, blesses her. Then Raphael reveals who he is. He tells Tobit and Tobias that he's the angel sent from God. And he told them his name, did it privately, you know, and he said, do you know why this happened? It was because of your prayer. Mm. You know, he basically said to Tobit and Sarah's prayer too. And then Tobias, no, then Tobit wrote a prayer of rejoicing, beautiful prayer, quite lengthy in chapter 13 of the book of Tobit, kind of a prayer of thanksgiving and praise of God. And then it ends with Tobit and Anna's death. And then at that point, Sarah and Tobias went back to Media, also because the city of Nineveh was going to be destroyed. And it was, but they were living in Media. Hmm. So that's the story. <laughs> what is it for us? I mean, there's so much there. The family relationships, uh -huh. this trust in God's providence, how right. God was working through all of this, you know, in his providence, that he's even there with us in our misfortunes mm -hmm. and he watch over us and protects us. Raphael means God's medicine or God heals. That's the trans, that's what the, the name Raphael means. So to call upon St. Raphael, the archangel in tough times, mm -hmm. or we need, when we need God's medicine, God's strength. So it's kind of a fantastic story, you know, in a sense, but I think there's just a lot more I could talk about more, but the importance of prayer is there. The importance of perseverance in the midst of misfortunes, there's a message of hope that God's always in charge. Mm -hmm. God's always in charge. Do you think that concept of an angel in disguise, or whatever, like a human person that's wandering around that's actually an angel, but they're oblivious to it. Do you think that's the case today? That's a good question. I mean, I do believe in guardian angels that are invisible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God works through other people, too. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, you know, it may not be a coincidence that someone comes into our life that really has a really great impact on our own growth in virtue mm -hmm. and holiness or guides us and helps, keeps us from danger, you know. I think stories like this kind of are good for Bible study because it can generate a lot of discussion. Sure. I mean, I would break it down. I mean, I went through the whole book, basically. It's not that long. It's only 14 chapters, but it's still, you know, just to sit down and quietly reflect on it. There's just some very human things going on. Like here you have this couple, Tobit and Anna, their love for each other, yet they hurt each other. I mean, you see the human weaknesses, you see how good he is, but yet he encounters this misfortune with the blindness and, and then, you know, he questions, but he still trusts in God. He's very humble. I love the words of advice that he gives to his son, Tobias. I didn't read all that. I said it's quite lengthy. And the prayers are just very beautiful in this book of Tobit as well, which I didn't read. You know, I'd recommend to people, especially like in the summer, just take a book like Tobit. It's not that long. Yeah. 14 chapters. Read and reflect on it. As I said, commentary helps because some of the things that I shared just now you know, it, it helps to understand. Yeah. Is there a commentary that you recommend? 
I, I, I would say a good Catholic commentary, the Navarre Bible commentary is very good. Okay. I use that, the Navarre Bible that's from Spain. There's also, let's see, what else would I recommend? I like the Anchor Bible commentary as well, but I haven't read that Anchor Bible regarding the book of Tobit, but I, I trust it. They have good commentary. Okay. Um, they have good authors. I mean, some get very technical, get a lot into the language and etymologies of things and all that. So the Navarre Bible commentary isn't, doesn't get that technical. Depends on what someone's looking for. But I'd say basically a good Catholic commentary. I think also the, well, the Jerome biblical commentary is, is pretty well known. But the Collegeville um, is very readable. It's, I think it's St. John's Collegeville. You can go to our Catholic bookstore and, you know, Good Shepherds give some books. There's some good Catholic commentaries there. And some of the Bibles have little bits of commentary, mm-hmm. sometimes little explanations at the bottom. Yeah, footnotes. Footnotes and stuff like that that help. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Bishop. You're welcome. Can we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's engineered by Josh Skipper at the Diocese of Fort Wayne South End, produced by Miriam Schmitz and edited by Tony Marks for Spoke Street Media. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.